Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome, everybody, to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 101. I'm your host, Klaus Nightbringer. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing awesome so far. How's your week been? Oh, it's been extremely busy. Thank you for joining us this week again, Talas. How are you doing? Doing awesome. Uh, new job starting next week. Uh, did a bunch of cool stuff in 14 this week during some downtime, mm-hmm. getting my car fixed, all kinds of good Yeehaw. And as you can see, if you're joining us live at twitch.tv slash Radio, we also have a Sared with us again this week. Sare, how are you today? Uh, not too bad. Uh, been leveling trusts, uh, doing some of the little side quest stuff that I never uh, caught up to. I just did the Stormblood Allied Beast quest today, which was pretty cute. Just fine? Just now? Uh, a little earlier today, yeah. Wow. Someone's a slacker. I had stuff to do. <laughs> there. Bribes will take care of that. Okay, I suppose. And yes, praise Lava Scorpion. So, um, anything else that you guys have been doing the last uh, couple of weeks since episode 100? In-game, out-of-game, whatever? Um, reading a lot of teen literature. Like, a lot of teen literature. Hopefully for work, not just because you have developed some sort of really weird freak obsession with it lately. Hey, hey, it is a perfectly valid thing. It should not be restricted by age. The themes tend to appeal to a certain audience, but it's on similar level to a lot of adult writing. Also, yes, mostly for work. (laughs) There's been a lot of good stuff. (laughs) I was going to say, I definitely read a lot of Artemis Fowl at one point as an adult, so I definitely hear you. Yeah. It's perfectly legit. I was mostly doing it for work, but it was enjoyable. All right. I'll, I guess we'll allow it. How about you, Talis? What else have you been doing in-game? There's been a lot of stuff to do, which is nice. There's been a lot of stuff to do. Uh, I actually was able to negotiate a uh, wedding that I'm going to be doing uh, next month, so I'm going to be doing food for that, so that'll be exciting. So I'll be a culinarian IRL again. Yay. Uh, and I have scheduled a time to get... The torque mount of my motor rebolted, so I have more smooth acceleration in my car. Hi, I'm a nerd and also a car fan. Uh, so that's getting done next week. I'm also starting a new driving job, and I have to pick up my work vehicle next week. So lots of cars and lots of food. So my life stayed pretty much exactly the same, but also much busier. Now, if you could yeah, only get like on a brand. food truck. That would be amazing for you. I, I've wanted to, but man, it's I, a lot of money. And the yeah. one I had almost completely developed, I actually sold the menu for. So if I was going to do a food truck, I'd have to start from scratch. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. But food trucks, like I said, they are very kind of chic right now. But they are, when done well, they are amazing. So, But it's a lot of work. Yeah. You're right. And not, not a uh, tiny investment either. Nope, I, mean, I was looking at almost 200, and I was like, uh, there's a lot of stuff I can do with 200k, guy. Yeah, I mean, that's... Plus a lot of the day-to-day concerns, like, do you have a good spot? Well, that can change on a regular basis, so... Exactly, so that's something you have to be constantly worrying and thinking about, and jockeying for position well, and all that, if you can get involved. You really need to be on point with your social media game. 
You'd be on point with social media game. Cheese Wizards is really good at that. Um, they've got selected by the guys that do Monster Hunter to re- they rewrapped their entire truck and they did a Monster Hunter themed food truck parked in front of PAX West uh, mm-hmm. last year, year before. Um, they're a local group to this area and they had a blast, but I'm blessed enough to have Amazon and Google and Microsoft and Nintendo all within 20 miles of each other. The catch is getting there at lunch rush on a good day. Yeah. And, and, and being able to not get in trouble for it. Yeah. You got to sign up for it, but there's like an actual company that you just be like, I give you money and you tell me where I'm going and they put you at Google or Amazon or whatever, but you might be at the less than great building with fewer employees for the first yeah, five I, or six months. And that's not great. Sounds like there's a lot of packing going on in the background. Oh, yep. That would be the packing tape gun. Yes. So, we, so for we, anybody listening on the podcast and they're like, oh, God, what is that ear vomit? Uh, I am in a house that is being packed up to move. And there's a bunch of other people in the room. So you will hear tape and cardboard and possibly cursing in the background. Yeah. So hopefully you've got the push to talk going well. I do. Yay. All right. <laughs> so just, you know, making sure to address that for everybody listening on the podcast, our apologies. Um, and as far as what I've been up to the last couple of weeks, I finished leveling up Gunbreaker. So that hit that's hit 80 now. Um, all of my retainers are at 80 as well, which is nice, um, which means I have all of my gatherers up there. And uh, I've started working on... Um, Summoner and Scholar. I got them to 73 today. So I'm using those two so I can then do the caster and uh, healer um, role quests, which I'm enjoying. They did a good job on the storylines of all of these, I think. But I have to say... They're awesome. Are you liking the Scholar changes? Because Scholar's a lot. I I haven't played as Scholar except for on the quests themselves. Gotcha. Because I am a very bad healer. There's a reason you know why Klaus is a, be a better healer. Don't do it. <laughs> Correct. Let somebody else do it instead, and, and, and continue to, to shoot things with my bow. Sure. That, there, you and I heal each other by hitting things with axes. I mean, we don't have a lot of room to talk. Hey, hey, hey! That is a perfectly valid, recognized thing. And if you put it on the healer, they like are like, oh my gosh. Someone keeps healing me for me. It's great. Mason Glint is magic as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Plus, you get to heal yourself, too. You get Bloodbath back for a little bit. Oh, it's so wonderful to have it back. Yeah, I'll eventually get uh, Warrior up to 80 as well. But for now, Too I guess I want to get just one of each up. So, A, I can maintain my mentor status. And, B, get through all of the quests so I can get to that final quest and uh, see what the, the hullabaloo is all about with that. Makes sense. All right. Um, other thing that happened in the last two weeks, it was actually last weekend, is uh, we were joined by Yalta Sumasu from Gather Together. We went to uh, Uptown in Uptown Minneapolis, and uh, we had a hell of a good time. It was uh, myself and Yelta, her husband. Nick Nar was there. We also had a few people from uh, in-game join us, which was a lot of fun. And we met up with a few people from the uh, Minnesota Nice uh, Twitch stream team. And yes, Nick Nar was absolutely soaked because as soon as we got into down- Uptown Minneapolis, it started downpouring, like monsoon style. Was he just chilling outside instead of coming undercover? No, he was uh, paying the meter. 
Mm. Rip. Yes. Also, he's not very good at parallel parking, so he had me do it for him. Ooh. Which I'm not very good at it either, but we I did manage to uh, do it without hitting Yelta's um, vehicle, which was a plus. Years and years oh of pizza delivery, right, class? No, like I said, here in, oh in where I live, I don't hungry. have to do um, parallel parking for that because most of the time I just park on the street or park in their driveway. So how do you park on the street without parallel parking? You just pull right up. It's not that busy of a town. Sir, okay. I think his town times 10 is still smaller than one of our neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My town is only 13,000. Holy sh... Wow, that's real tiny, dude. So, yeah, the which city is... in which I live, which is considered like a medium-ish one for the area, is over 10 times yours. Which, and the town I live in now is over 10 times what it, the town that I grew up in. I live in a small town. There's only 700,000 people. <laughs> there is nothing small about that. Nothing. <laughs> Nick Nar knows what I'm talking about. He grew up in a town of 2100. Anyway. I was born in a small town. Never, never mind. We're not going to go there. <laughs> All right. So. Let's go ahead and jump into the gaming community news, but I just want to say thank everybody who stopped by and joined us at uh, at UpDown. I thought it was an amazing time, and hopefully we'll be able to do stuff like that in the future again, looking at some other potential venues. Um, that, that was the only downside, was parking sucked, and it was extremely packed. Oh, Klaus, make sure to spin your camera. Oh, good idea, thank you. You don't want me to get kicked out, huh? You good? Eh, it would be suboptimal. Yes. It'd be funny for people watching uh, live or on the uh, on YouTube later on, but uh, for the podcast, it won't affect them. But yeah, it's still kind of an annoyance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to that game and community news. We just learned that the there's a new free login campaign that just started. From now through August 16th, you can get up to 144 hours of playtime. But please don't stay awake for that entire 144 hours to get to get the most out of it. Rest is a good thing. But it's nice that they're actually upping the amount of time you get to play because it, it, it didn't used to be like 72 hours to start with. I think it was 72 and now, yeah, now it's like 144. Yeah, so, you know, uh, that's yeah, six whole I days. One of, uh, yeah, that is six days. One of the other things is that it's pre I know in previous ones it's been a longer period, but within that you log in at some point and you your time is counted from when uh, you start. Yeah, so basically, if you were to, to to log in right now, you you could play from till it, the uh, free login period ended, which because mm -hmm. it ends on the sixteenth, which is yep. six days away. How convenient! But if you have a friend, congratulations, you passed second grade math. Yay! But if you have a friend who has not played in a while, um, and or hasn't had a subscription in at least thirty days, you can uh, they can log in for free, catch up, see what everything's like, and maybe uh, get prepped in a little further on if they want to jump in for Shadowbringers. And Nick Nar is saying that there is a free login for Final Fantasy XI for the seventeenth anniversary as well. Man, who cares about eleven? old game i've tried to go back it's so unplayable now i agree i i tried many times i can't do it 
I can't do it. I also just I don't have a PC, so like it's kind of challenging at this. You can play it on a toaster, though. Yeah, but I don't have a toaster either. How about a uh, um, smart fridge? Uh, my <laughs> fridge isn't particularly smart. It has <laughs> issues with ice cubes sometimes. It can probably still handle 11. True. Anyway, um, so if you want to sign in to, if you have an 11 account and want to jump in and play for a few days, um, you can re-download it, get signed in, and uh, see what the fuss is all about. Because they're still adding content to that game, even though it's 17 years old now. It's crazy. They, they're not adding story, but they're like adding content and NMs and a bunch of others. Yes. But you never know. They may end up coming up with some other story. I mean, it, it they're slowly adding little little bits and pieces, but uh, there hasn't been anything major in four years. Yeah. I mean, they changed a little bit of stuff in Sky, but not enough to really like bring players back to the world of Vanadil. No, it's the game... It's kind of in maintenance mode. Yeah, they're just trying to continue to let people who really enjoy the game continue to shell out their money. I mean, it doesn't cost them anything hardly to keep it running. It's paying for itself, then some. MMOs remain profitable even under some fairly extreme circumstances once you've got them going. Yes. All right, moving on. Final Fantasy XIV is going to be at Gamescom in Germany, August 20th through the 24th. Uh, there will be two battle challenges with the I Beat Blah 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 t-shirts uh, featuring Titania and Innocence. Um, and just a side note, to anybody who happens to be going, I wear an extra large if you want to get an extra one. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, what size do you wear? Um, usually a large or a medium. And Talas? I'm an XL as well. So if somebody nice out there listening out on the podcast or, or live here at twitch.tv slash phoenix down radio happens to be heading out that way we would love you a long time <laughs> some more longer than others i don't know um but it's something they have a full um just a ton of stuff that's gonna be planned for for um for cologne germany um I'm link the uh, um they have a lodestone post out in, on it, and uh, they're actually going to be doing a st some stage shows where some people in attendance w can be picked to actually go up and do like Titania X, and they have a chance to win like a, a, a Shadowbringers backpack, like those drawstring backpacks, as well as the uh, the foam Dark Knight swords. So there's a lot of cool stuff, and it's going to be streamed out on uh, Twitch, Nico Nico, YouTube, all those sites as well. If you don't have a, ch if you're not going to be going to Germany, so I encourage you to check that out. Um, they didn't announce a live letter, so I don't think there's going to be anything there. But there will be other panels, and, and there will be some things discussed at Gamescom. So so look forward to us talking about that after the fact. Uh, another thing that they announced recently was. Uh, if you purchase a 60-day uh, time card for Final Fantasy XIV from the SE store, you will also get a free Fantasia. Um, that's, that offer runs now through uh, August 31st. So you can go directly to the uh, Square Enix store, and uh, you can, uh, if you buy it right there, same cost as buying it anywhere else, 
and they'll send you your digital code, put it in there. You'll get a code for that and a Fantasia. Bada boom. You've got uh, game time, plus you can change your race if you want to. And I don't believe there is a limit to how many you can purchase. They say I don't think anything. there's a limit, but like, I think you can buy a bunch of the cards, but I think all you, the codes go you, to You can only register up to six months worth of time in, in advance. But I don't believe eh, the cards expire. That's fine. So you can, you can register up to three cards, potentially, but, um, and I don't think the cards actually expire, but if you want to, you know, buy some for friends, might be a nice thing as well. But I think it's a kind of a neat deal, you know, instead of giving us the free Fantasia for those who bought the collector's edition, they're giving it to people who buy a time card. What are your thoughts, Sarah? Uh, I mean, I'm a legacy player. I don't have any particular need for time cards. And it's always felt like something where if I'm going to, uh, like, I would just buy a Fantasia if I wanted one. If it's something where you are explicitly like you're already getting one thing and pay the other is a nice bonus, but I've never really been much for going for some of this because it feels like something where I end up spending more than I would have wanted anyways, or where I'm not getting as much benefit as I would have thought. Then again, I don't think you've ever used a Fantasia, have you? Nope. I think I still have two that I got from various thingies. Yeah. Thanks. The only reason I ever used them was because somebody paid me to. And then you were a Lollafell for a while. Yep. I was a Lala in 1.0, and then 2.0, I was like, oh, I can change everything about my character, so I changed to here, and then I was like, well, what if I was a cat boy, and then I went back to here, and I'm like, what if I was a cute dragon girl, and then the resting bitch face was boring, so I went back <laughs> to here, because I, I was raiding, and I needed to be able to see myself, but now that I'm not raiding anymore, I'm like, nah, back to Lala, back to OG 1.0 Talas. It all comes full circle. Talas is a potato. And Back to potato. Okay. What? It's a classic. Slash slap. You're a classic. Hey, he was able to show Aww, up. Thank you. All right. Um, I don't have my keyboard. I don't have, and I'm not on my PS4. I have to find everything in a like 800 by 600 window, and it's awful. Give me nice. Nice outfit. Thank you. I look like a con goer. I have sunglasses, an authentically Japanese shirt, and khaki cargo pants. <laughs> He's not wrong. And a katana from the mall. Yes. Another thing that was announced this week is the Shadowbringers OST um, is now available for pre-order. Um, it will be releasing on September 11th. Um, and those who pre-order will be able to get access to the Suzaku Minion. It's a cute little minion. Um, so you can get that either through the Square Enix store or if you want to actually also get the um, cool um, CD sleeve, you can get it from CD Japan, which is what I actually did. I pre-ordered from there. Um, actually, I think it cost me about five bucks less because uh, good exchange rates and not crappy SE shipping. So, Dude, Square Enix like forgot how to do shipping like a couple years ago i used to get stuff really fast and now like i forgot i ordered something and then i got an envelope and it had lanyards in it i guess lanyards huh 
I cashed in all of my uh, Your points? frequent Square Enix points and got, because there was like nothing else to get that I needed. The only soundtracks they had were ones I had, and I had all the minions from. And I was like, I guess I can get lanyards or like a mug from near automata didn't you get the so have... final fantasy 15 sunshade for your car no uh my friend lancetti actually got that for her uh honda she used it one time and then her head gasket mm. so now you did you get access to that then or uh i don't want to drive five hours to go get it and mm. then five hours to come back just to get it so no but also shout out to lancetti happy 30th Happy birthday. She Happy is birthday. at work, sadly. Aww. And then also shout-outs to Bannon, whose birthday was yesterday. It's apparently birthday month here in... In, in Talaz's world, huh? Exactly. Also <laughs> known as Hyperion. <laughs> I'm going to go hide in my social problem. I actually did get the uh, the sunshade. It's, it's kind of nice. It's a little small for my car, but it works. What do you drive? I, I have a uh, um, a Taurus. Ah, okay. They have yeah. a little bit bigger windshields. The that era of Ford, I'm guessing early early 2000s, correct. Yep, that's a very big windshield. Yep. And yeah, it it covers up just enough, but it's like I don't use it all the time. I don't want it to get faded either, so you know how it goes. It's still kind of a collector's item. It's still a cool thing. Like mm-hmm. I had this amazing art, the uh, the window hang art for Chrono Trigger for game stores circa 1995, and my stupid self put it in a window, and, and the fine. back of it just got completely annihilated. And yep. I was like, I messed. Yep, Aww. that happens. I did a mistake. All right. Speaking of other events happening, just like I said, there's a lot of th- stuff going on this week. Moonfire Fair is live, guys. Which is why we're all dressed nice and festively today. Um, they had the return of the Tower of Pain. I mean, the uh, Eorzean Nimble Warrior Challenge. <laughs> it was so much easier than I remember it being. Well, it, yeah, was it's... it any different, or did you just get better at jumping? I think I got better at jumping puzzles. Well, I think it's basically the same. They added yeah. a little bit. They added that slide to the side. The slide is boss. I need that slide on more random shit in this game. We need slides <laughs> for uh, housing items now. I, I would totally set up a slide a sl- to come down the stairs. I want a slide from the upper to the lower floors in a large house. That yes. would be a- Or like a... a, a Bannon's a face pole. just went like, oh God. Like <laughs> We all want one. We also need a fireman's pole. Oh dear. No. How about a stripper pole? Keep your weird shit in Yulemore where it belongs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't kink shame here. Until unless we totally kink shame, but then yes, but no. I do see that coming as a as a housing item in the future, though, since it is in Yulemore, people are going to be like, "I want that for my house." You know what's going to happen. I mean, unless you have a way to, like, grab it and move around it, it's not quite as good. So so what are your thoughts about the items that we get for the Moonfire Fair this year? So let's see. I hadn't actually done the Moonfire Fair yet. What? what I mean, Nani? 
Nani the fuck? Right. Uh, so we got three uh, top pieces again, yep. um, where we had like it's usually a white, a black, and a color. Yep. Um, we, we got, got one for finishing the actual quest. Um, you then, get that uh, tabby shoes and a headband. Oh, the and headband's the really nice. Yep, it's one of so, the, tw- the white one of the white twist headbands. I haven't so seen we, a lot of people having fun with the portable pools. Oh yeah, there's those. I saw two. somebody set up a tic tac toe board of the portable pool, and they just uh, recolored them, different colors to. Or, or no, just... they used um, they all joined a party, and then they used way more. Okay. Because yeah, so they, they would just set waymarks, be like, okay, the numbers are me, the letters are you, and then like other party members would be on mounts that would go like stand in certain areas, and they had the camera turned up. It was a real interesting. They are diable, I mean, I, by the I, way. I how what's the yard item limit? Because I don't think you can do a chessboard. Forty. Yeah, you yeah. can't do a chessboard. You can do a tic tac toe. There wouldn't even be enough room to do a chessboard because it's a, it's actually a pretty sizable oh, item. It's about the size it, of um, the little personal um, spa there. If it's three by three, if you do, so if you found some way to stack them, you could do three D tic tac toe. You want to do Star Trek chess, don't you? No, not really. Okay, I thought you seemed like the one that would. And I have feelings about chess. There. But yeah, there's uh, the three um, tops. There's actually three masks that you can get. Um, um, two colored Moogle masks and a Namazu mask. Um, like they mentioned earlier, there's also the inflatable pool. There is a cart with a whole bunch of wind chimes. And there's a really bomb poster as well. The poster looks super good. I like the masks, um, the Moogle mask and the Namazu mask. If you use the visor command, uh, where for like tanks, it'll close your visor or whatnot. For them, it actually turns the mask a little bit to the side corner of your forehead. So it's attached to the side of your head instead of directly on your face. Yep. So it's just kind of resting there at an angle on the side of your head. Nice. It's very anime. Yeah. It's an anime piece for sure. <laughs> it's totally weeaboo. I just appreciate that uh, looking at the pictures, the happies that we get this year, the women aren't unnecessarily showing off their boobs. I don't want to go show- around showing off my boobs. Well, you're Modesty. showing them off right now. Hey, hey, I'm wearing a one piece. Thank you. <laughs> I heard one piece. Where's Chili? We need to talk about this in the anime podcast. <sighs> uh, anyway, um... And then, uh, like I said, there was also some news that uh, the ARR quest line is scheduled to be condensed by patch 5.3. Which, for people coming into this game, is going to be an amazing bit of news for them. I mean, it was inevitable. Any game that runs long enough, if you either start making it more of uh, the earlier parts easier to go through, or you die. Like... If you have uh, people who are having to go through more and more and more in order to be able to catch up to the current stuff, you're going to have fewer new players, and new exactly. players are the lifeblood. Yeah, we have to have that. And there's only going to be so many people who are going to uh, purchase a, a game skip. Um, I mean, I understand that they're not doing what Blizzard does and giving you a level whatever character when the new game comes out and letting you start your, your journey there, because Final Fantasy XIV is 
so story driven. You know, it's actually a lot better storyline than a lot of uh, RPGs out there. Yeah, given that a lot of people, especially those who are being told by others, oh yeah, this one's got a really amazing story, all of that. Having like having the expectation be that you just skip over it, I don't think works quite as well. Yeah. Especially for a franchise that they said, hey, we tried to make a shooter and it didn't work. I think we're better at telling stories. Let's try that. And since this is the last project we're ever doing, we're calling it. And now here we are 30 years later. That was definitely <laughs> not their final fantasy. Yeah. They definitely know that they are a story-based game. Shadowbringers being a huge one right now where people are saying, hey, this is on par with end generation games. Like, yeah, kind of was. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best Final Fantasies told i'll agree with that it took me a little while because i didn't quite want to say you're like oh this is really good like no i wanted to like make sure like in my head and in my heart like no this really is good and i can attest i think shadowbringers it's like top five I i definitely felt like hey they've got really good structure here there's not just that there's a really fascinating thing going on but the way they structured it the comedic beats uh the breather moments the amping up of the tension it's just like maybe i've read too much tv tropes i can't do uh, anything where i don't start analyzing it at this point and it's like okay this is really well done they're hitting it on everything here this is quality work it was amazing really good stuff turn cameras guys it's afk time do 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 i think we're good all right and then the last bit of news we're going to talk about was there was a live letter on wednesday and uh they they had it was basically just a q and a uh, a lot of people were, were asked to submit questions to the official forums, and Yoshida went through and answered 70. 70 questions on the... That uh, is so mad. But it did a really good job. Um, um, the, why can't I think of his name? Matt um, Bayonne um, worked real hard, and put they put together a, a digest, and we, we linked that in the Twitch notes. And uh, we'll also put that out on the show notes as well for those listening on the podcast. But uh, we put put down some of our favorites that they that they discussed. Um, did it, first of all, I, suppose I should ask: Did anybody actually catch it live? I did not. I mean, it was four a.m. for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was really tough. While I was up for that in that time frame, there wasn't any. Um, no, nobody was really translating it, so. It just didn't make sense for me to watch. I waited for them to come out with a digest. And some of the questions were quite interesting. Yeah, I did see a lot of people arguing over translations, especially when that MSQ thing, just because there was a a lot of uh, different feelings about it. And I think a lot of people were letting that affect which translation they went with. Yeah, that must have just been uh, an announcement because I didn't see anything in the actual question thread that I linked. So, yeah. But anyway, a lot of the first questions were talking about particular jobs and whether their rotation changes, their DPS, their um, raid synergy. There's a lot of complaining. People, you know, a lot of changes are going to still be coming. They said, so you know, hold your horses. It takes time to get everything just right. But then we got some really, really cute and interesting questions, like uh, this one: Were the sandwiches from the MSQ quest handmade by the Exarch himself? If it's handmade, I'll store it safely. But if not, I'll just eat them up. So let me know. And Yoshi says, I don't know. I think it's okay to just eat them. 
Like I there's so <laughs> many people thirsty for the Crystal Exarch, and I don't know why. Like most of the stuff I've seen, it's less of a oh my gosh, he's so hot, and oh he's he did adorable. Yeah, he's a cinnamon roll. He really now, is. That said, even if it was made by him, like it is the expression thing. Eat the sandwiches. Eat the food. That's what it's there for. Eat the sandwich. But, like, that is how you convey the feelings, by eating the damn food. I think I still have them. always make more later. Oh, yeah, I figured out how I want to decorate. I think they're still in my inventory, actually. Um, Sarah, this is a question I think you would enjoy. Uh, in Eorzean Encyclopedia 2, it mentions that the statues found within Amdapur were made in the image of transcendent beings from yet another plane. Was this referring to the Sin Eaters of the First? And they say, in a sense, if of if you look back at the lore book, you notice certain things. We did this intentionally. Yeah, that was one we spent a bit of time discussing. <laughs> so that's kind of neat. Um, mm-hmm. Some people asking, after trying out Eden, I was shocked by the Warriors of Light's imagination. How on earth did they come up with that version of Leviathan and Titan? We kind of talked a little bit about this last episode, um, but I just lo- want to hear. I loved Yoshida's answer. Maybe it was something like uh, Leviathan was patched 2.1, 2.2? He was attacking from two locations. Was that a head or a tail? I think I mixed it up with the Shinryu mechanic and it became something like that. And uh, <laughs> maybe the Wandering Minstrel had a little bit too much of an influence on the Warrior of Light. And it, it was just hilarious. Yeah. As he kind of is like, well, maybe you didn't remember perfectly. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was a uh, canonically, it's not something like for a lot of them. It's a, if you do it again, you're there in your mind. So you've got this chaotic environment. We're seeing it from the third. Per- but like, remember that uh, type that one where you got to see the VR version of like Titan from first person perspective. Mm-hmm. How much time do you actually have to notice details of what's going on? That's true. I mean, when you when you're when you're actually looking at it from your player's perspective, you don't get the full field of view. Yeah, and you're trying to dodge stuff. You don't necessarily have a lot of time to sit and look at the scenery and compile all those details. And especially since that Sony process, it's drawing in just like your thoughts, your feelings, your impressions. I got the impre- uh, feeling that it was less of a, okay, you are clearly imagining this thing that will look like, and more like, hey, these are your memories, these are the thoughts and feelings that come to mind. There's a lot mixed up in there. Okay, I think this next one is actually my favorite question out of any of them. The lucky. From Raktika Greatwook, background music is stuck in my head. I'd like to know what the lyrics are. And, of course, Soken comes in and says, I'll leave it up to your imagination. Honestly, I don't know either. Let's just say that the lyrics are unknown. That is such a Soken answer. And it's like, you wrote the damn song. You know what the lyrics are. Unless they just went to the vocalist and said, here's the theme. There's a mic. We're going to play the music. It might be. Who knows? Maybe. Knowing Sokin, I wouldn't put it past him. I think the only thing he knew of was the Lahi. Maybe even that was made, brought into it by the the, uh, the singer, the vocalist. Whatever. It works. It's an earworm, and we all love it. Yes. That and Scree! Scree is the... <laughs> <laughs> I have seen multiple people producing sports team shirts for the Ronkin uh, Great Serpents or something like that. The Great Serpent of Ronka. I just have a scree on the back. Scree! No, it's like, 
like it's a sports team and the serpent is the mascot. I want that minion. I need to get that this week. It's just a, it's two um side quests they have to do. One is in um the first area there and the other one's with the uh the bunnies. And they they, they merge together and then you get the uh, the minion. I just need to do T- side quests. Takes you about an hour. But the nice thing about it is you can do it on any class that's 70 or above. You don't have to wait. I will say that is one of the coolest additions that we've had in a long time where you pick it up as a level 70. You decide to finish it as a level 78 or whatever. But as you're doing it, whatever things that are difficult are at difficulty level 78. And then you turn it in on whatever class you want and you get experience equal to that. You have to turn it in a class you took it on. Yeah, but like if I grab it as a level 70 samurai and then mainline heaven on high for three days, decide to finally turn that quest in and I'm level 75, I still get experience. So I don't know if you get it based on when you picked it up or when you turn it in. I think it might be what it might be level locked from when you pick it up. I'm not entirely sure, but I know it's been really, really handy to it's it is nice for that pick up a lot of side quests. Yes. Well, aside from like. Okay, I had a bunch of level like 68 quests that I had just done, but there was no point turning them in on anything. My monk hit 68, and I just flew off and turned a whole bunch of them in and was instantly 70 because I just had them saved up, and they were on par with his level, even though I completed them with a level 70 warrior weeks beforehand. Mm -hmm. Now with the sliding EXP scale, that exploit is definitely gone or a lot less prominent. But we still get rewarded for having a higher level class that makes a couple things a little easier, but we get experience at a rate that isn't a complete waste of time. Yeah. And if you end up, you know, running out of quests in, in like Lakeland, you can go to the other areas with a level 72 character and, and do the quests there. The enemies are going to scale down to whatever you're at on them, and you'll be able to perform them and get experience based on your level. So that's that's nice. Instead of like I said, I have I don't know how many hundreds of of side quests sitting back in uh, 2.0, 3.0, and 4.0 that I will probably never touch because they are level 16, level 30, whatever you know. And what is the point of grabbing a level 15 side quest as a level 80 bard, shooting the crap out of ladybugs or whatever, and then going in to try to turn it in for 600 exp and a hundred gil? Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, that took eight minutes of my time. Why did I even bother? Exactly. Because the, the, the thing that takes the most time is the travel back and forth. So, Because we can't fly in Rome Reborn areas. But That's I can not go, allowed. I can go double fast. Because motorcycle? No, because I bought all the, uh, the, the speed ups. Oh, right, right, right. And motorcycle. But I, even <laughs> the motorcycle only goes up to the double speed. It doesn't get another speed on top of that. All right, continuing on, we got a sidetracked there. Um, with the addition of more jobs, it's become harder to get desired weapon drops from Extreme Trials. I would like the system to be changed to something similar to those in Eden. Um, and Yoshida comes back and says, We discussed this before patch 5.0. We thought perhaps with the current difficulty of Extreme Trials, you'd probably see what you want within 10 clears. But when I personally ran it at 15 times and didn't see what I wanted, it maybe isn't good enough is kind of how I feel right now. So we may be getting a change 
they may drop coffers instead? Sometimes it takes them going through it and get seeing that, yep, that problem really does exist. Especially, yeah, as we add more jobs and uh, having it with, with the armor where it becomes, hey, there's still the set number of types is a little easier, yeah. but... RNG can be a bitch. Mm-hmm. It is a pain, but it is really nice to be like, to this last week, I completely spaced. I needed a helmet and I totally forgot and I accidentally rolled on gloves. So I get out, I've done all four Edens and I go, cool, time to go get my shit. I already had gloves. Well, my samurai was 79. I said, why not? Leveled it up one time, hit 80, and went from eye level 390 to eye level 450 in one shot because I happened to have these two gloves that I earned as a warrior. So it's not too bad, but it definitely is not perfect as it currently stands. Yeah, though I will say the Eden setup is better than it was because the actual items that you get dropped are actual better representations of what they're, the tokens are designed for. Thank God for that. And then the last one that I put down, I don't know if you guys had any others you want to discuss after this, but uh, I love Feo'ol. I would like to change my Scholar's Fairy to look like Feo'ol. Be careful what you wish for, dude. No, yeah. don't, please. You, you never know if Feo'ol will listen to your orders. They might refuse to heal you until you agree to solving riddles for seven days and seven nights. You might have to pull an Urian J on that one. <laughs> so yeah, that's not, not happening. I'm not a fan. Feo'ol drives me nuts. I love Feo'ol. Uh, they did also mention about wanting to add a minion of Feo'ol, which said, I think it'll be added at some point in the future. Yeah. So I thought player opinion would be more divided on Feo'ol, but I'm glad so many players liked them. It is kind of divided, you know, but it's still... I, I think people really love the sassiness of Feo'ol, so... Because we needed a Sundere fairy to follow us around. Yes, because it's all, also it's, it, it rhymes... The Sundari fairy. Uh, I'm going to be over here face down in the pool. <laughs> that seems reasonable. Not, that, I think we we've now have the name of the episode. Thank you very much. Uh, face down in the fail old foil. No. Sundari fairy. God uh, damn it. <laughs> the other one I wanted to met, uh, mention just because it was that one got a lot of discussion was question 43. I feel like the amount of time and effort required to level desynthesis and the returns don't match. Do you have plans to make major changes to the desynth system? Which as someone who has, <laughs> is leatherworking in the mid and carpentry in the mid uh, 200s at this point and has been struggling to find something to level them up yeah. on. We'll be making large changes to Disciple of the Hand and land-related systems in 5.1. The synthesis rates will be changed to be 100% guaranteed. No need to level up skills. The synthesis will be something used when you have a surplus of something. That's the plan we have in mind. I'll provide more details on this when we've solidified the details. So basically we've been leveling these all up and they're changing it out and will no longer be needed. I mean, I imagine it's still going to... Uh, Actually, I don't know. I do feel like they might still leave it as, hey, you uh, are choosing a couple sets of skills on them. Because there's definitely been an imbalance of it. If you're a goldsmith, you get all the accessories that you can use to work on. There's, I've never seen a goldsmith have the difficult path to level their skills. No, and that's why that's one, one of them that I chose. Right. Because you get gemstones, you get precious metals, it, things that are all extremely all useful. And then you, oh, for culinary, you have so many just garbage trash fish that you just break down and eventually it levels up yep and you know i've been having trouble with the gap between stormblood and shadowbringers yeah i'm i'm stuck at like 230 right now i think on call i'm at 320 but i don't know what to cut 
it's it's really tough because we've reached a point where the items that exist and the numbers that we have don't match again with the question like what do we do from here and the answer was please look forward to it and then it sounds like they're going to be getting rid of it entirely which is millions of gil spent on i don't want to talk about alchemy like oh my god the amount of crap that we've bought to break down in alchemy is just use the thing with desynth is it really is no longer a required thing since the uh um the, the zodiac weapons pretty much you know it was a it was an integral part of that you had to either level it up yourself or have a friend who did or friends who did so you could get access to certain items so you could craft the bits for your zodiac weapon zodiac oh. weapon not zodiac yeah just the uh, <laughs> i mean you could always purchase all of them yeah but, but how expensive if, was that i still load i still make a non trivial amount of money off of the carpentry decent item from that not like fast money, but it's like every once in a while there'll be a big sale. Yeah, because somebody is going through there and getting their weapon for glamour. Yep. Like, and it's still yeah. one where it's like, that's one of the, like I picked ones that I thought were cool. Uh, I didn't go with one of the easy ones like Goldsmith. So what I do have ends up being uh, really, really nice when it comes up, mm-hmm. but not often. Yeah, I mean, I picked, when when I initially picked mine that I, for leveling up, I based it off of what other people were going for in in the free company at the time. So, you know, we we tried to make it so people were, you know, not overlapping too much so we could all be a little bit uh, helpful to each other. Which is but I also Breaking wanted goldsmith. Who so. who was DPSing or whatever. It's kind or of on a doing. similar vein, I guess. But. Yeah. Same thing, I think, when when you did when you picked your specialty for uh, cr- uh, crafting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked culinarian, shock surprise, but I also picked alchemist because I like, I like the consumables. I've always enjoyed putting them into a rotation to use like the X potions or whatnot. And then I have another specialization that's just sort of chilling. I haven't decided what I want to do with it. I actually think I went uh, leather worker. Colin or uh, Goldsmith and Call maybe for food. I don't remember. I don't. I I never ended up using any of it. Well, raid food's expensive. If you want to make your own, great. If you're not raiding, you don't need. Yeah, but it's a good way to make money if you did otherwise. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. is what it is. <laughs> Half a million gill for fifteen battered fish. <sighs> so, is there any other questions you guys wanted to discuss before we move on? Uh, someone, I just wanted to mention on the battered fish thing, just as a humorous thing, someone was mentioning that they had made uh, battered fish and then the reuse, or what, is it reuse? The one that gives you materials back? Yes. Uh, they, on their reuse, they got the fish back. So now they were slightly curious about <laughs> what was inside the batter. We sold you batter. tempura batter, I guess. Mmm, tempura crunchies. Fried in olive oil, which has too low of a smoke point to actually do a golden bat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. I have concerns about that one. Today in Final Fantasy, stuff happens. Yes. All right. Uh, so now, uh, I found a place that does fish and chips near my work. I'm so happy about. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Today no, I'm on fish and, fish and chips. chips Radio. What's your favorite kind of malt vinegar? We haven't 
brought up Bon Appetit until right now. <laughs> I blame you guys for bringing up the battered fish. We were doing so good. But, I mean, the battered fish is a part of the uh, Moonfire Fair. So, you know. They, Which, they... by the way, now that the now that the gangbusters, like, giving away slash selling of battered fish in the event is kind of done. Uh, for anybody who hasn't done it yet, go to Aleport, hang a left, and go talk to the Sahagan and buy your salt and your olive oil for two and seven gil, respectively. Do not spend... 2,000 kill to buy this on a market board. Now, it's just not worth it. Remember, you have to have actually completed a good chunk of those Beastman quests first. You don't need too much reputation no. with the Sahagan. Oh, they're My early Sahagan on? reputation is 30. Oh. I have done one round of three, and that's it. Okay. I thought maybe you had to get through a couple of ranks. Nope. I, you just need to be buddies with them, I think. Okay. Well... The more you know. Actually, let me check that. My Sahagan is neutral at 30 out of 150. Yep, and that will get you uh, night milk, sun lemon, sunset wheat flour, cinnamon, garlic and garlic, black pepper, midland basil, table salt, smooth butter, and olive oil. Reputation mostly just gives you various colors of dye uh, and a couple furnishings. And the minions and the mount. Oh, yes. Uh, but yeah, if you just want the uh, the basic stuff, that's at neutral reputation. Okay. Alrighty. Good to know. Yeah. I already made my 1.2 million gil selling olive oil to people on Wednesday, so I'm... You were one of those. I was! I was selling them in stacks of 15, because you need 15 points to buy everything. All the masks, all the powerys, everything, but the fireworks. You need 15. So I just sold them in stacks of 15. Smart. I just did the uh, course four times. Yeah, that's the that's the easiest way. But if you just don't have the manual dexterity or spatial awareness, then you do the other one. I have friends just straight up fished for like two hours and got all of it. All right. Well, let's continue on then. We'll move on to the, uh, um, just the main story scenario. Uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, or slash spoiler warning, which I was trying to say, and just kind of mixed the two together, portmanoed them. Um, so we are going to be, uh, going through the, uh, storyline again. I linked the Twinfinite story summary for those who want to follow along. I should bring that up as well. Sarah, do you want to kind of get us started again? I believe we were just about to, um, leave... Uh, Ilmeg, and make our way to uh, Raktika? Uh, sure, give me just a moment here. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where we were. This is a very big article. Yeah, so I mean, it, right. it's really not a nicely so, done article, though. Right. Uh, so our return... Also reminder, with our return from Ilmeg, we also had our first encounter with Emmett Selk, who revealed himself, uh, talked all about the plan, about uh, his desire to travel along with us. Uh, along with the encounter we had with Art Bear. Uh, so we ha head to the Raktika Greatwood in order to meet up with Ishtola, uh, but we uh, end up running in with the Knights Blessed, a group of worshippers of darkness who see the light 
uh, light is kind of this malign force in the darkness as something that protects them from it. Uh, Ishtola does arrive while we're being held at Arrow and Spear Point, and at first doesn't even recognize us. She's viewing us with uh, her ether side, of course, and says that our ether is corrupted, suffused with this extreme amount of light. So she's from the get-go a little bit concerned about us. Uh, she's also a bit uneasy about uh, our Urianger's involvement in this. Uh, there's been multiple references that Urianger has concealed information that uh, Ishtola disagrees with some of their methods. Uh, so in general, she's taking kind of this reserved, guarded uh, approach to the situation, which is a bit different from the Ishtola that we're used to. Uh, we are escorted to Slitherbow, uh, the Knights Blessed of uh, their home, as in the, uh, not quite the trunk, but in the, uh, the roots of this uh, huge tree with a number of dark caves, uh, learn a bit about their various traditions. Uh, we do finally get an explanation for that whole Ishtola being referred to as Master Matoya, in that uh, one of their superstitions is to never speak someone's true name uh, beneath the light. Uh, that this is something where they need to protect their names from the light. And so Yishtola has adopted the name Matoya as in order to keep with their custom. Yeah, that was kind of an odd uh, tradition, I thought. But I mean, it, it, at least it made the, the whole Matoya thing make a little bit more sense. Yeah, I'm I, glad they did explain it because I was really concerned. Like, why did they change her name? Is there something we missed? What happened to real Matoya? Yeah, I had wondered if this was just like, is this a thing they are doing in order to like make us ask more questions? Like we see the trailer, we see all that stuff, it's making us ask questions. Uh, or if this was something that had a deeper thing. Though they did continue to refer to it at various points throughout. There's actually a really charming reference to it much later in the scenario, but I can get to that later. Uh and so in the process of investigating, uh we start to investigate where the light warden might be in this area. Uh finding a, a seal for an ancient Ronkin ruin, Ronka being an ancient civilization that had been in the Great Wood. Uh, a lot of their uh, ruins are scattered about. And uh, our, with our research, we've uh, come to the conclusion that the uh, Light Warden is hiding in a place called the Kitana Revel. Kitana Revel? I'm not actually sure I'm Kitana Revel? I... I watch it in Japanese, and I was not paying super close attention to this particular. Right. I always just said the Ravel, but it could be the Ravel. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's the Revel. Cat, 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 cat. Damn it. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, we get to the QR area. Yes. Right. Well, um, actually, we actually we... have a. Before we get there, we actually have to meet up with the Vieira as well and, and try and uh, um, get their um, blessing to get in there. Don't yeah, we? they have been gu guardians of the area, protectors of the various legacies of Ronka for quite a long time. Uh, so this involves, among other things, finding an ancient Ronkin seal so that we can identify ourselves as uh, kind of emissaries of representatives of so that they'll be willing to listen to us. Uh, let's see. Uh, at, uh, we have that. Uh, we do end up meeting with the Vieira who are distrustful of or 
They refer to Vera is the name on the first for them. I forget. I think they're just the V's in the first. They're the V's, yes. Yeah. Uh, but we are able to uh, meet up with them, convince them that we come as representatives of Veronica, uh, not get murdered by them. Slightly and in important. The, yeah. In the exploration, we do uh, have that uh, really cool sequence where we're delving into the depths of a Ronkin temple. Uh, Are you talking about that it, uh, um, that solo instance? That yeah, that solo instance. Yeah, that was that was quite interesting. Where we end up uh, getting uh, trying to run away from the Yulmoran army again. Yep, because get, as always, like they've been pursuing this entire time. Uh, so we have uh, Ranjit and that one adjutant that we kept writing. Did we ever find out the poor guy's name? I don't think we did. I don't recall. I do not remember his name. You know, I'm yeah, bad I'm with not names. Sure. I don't think we ever actually found it out. Uh, but Ranjit uh, confronts us in the temple, uh, saying that he's poisoned several members of the Knights Blessed. In order to get the antidote, uh, we do have to surrender, uh, lead them out of the temple. Ishtola sacrifices herself in order to stop Ranjit and get the antidote to us. Uh Really nice one, I think, just for highlighting how much she cares about the Knights Blessed, how much they've come to become this uh, kind of new family to her. Well, remember that, like, time... This area is basically like Narnia, as far as time is concerned, where things are going at such a different rate that, yeah, we... This has only been a few days for us. It's been years for her. So she has been doing this for a really long time. They are her new family. Three years, I believe, she's been here. That's a long time in a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Plus three years in which she didn't really feel much like hanging around with the Crystal Exarch or Orianger. No, she had a lot of distrust for the for the Exarch, and that's why she ended up in um, Raktika. To be fair, with the amount of information that we had at this point in the story, yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah. No, she, she did seem rather standoffish just in general. I mean, a lot, a lot more so. Yeah, I mean, especially though, she didn't recognize us right away. Well, we were bleeding, you know, uh, just profuse amounts of uh, light energy. So she thought we were a sin eater. Because in her Aether vision, that's kind of what we looked like. Yeah. And we were, what, two bosses in at this point or yes. just one? Two. So, yeah, we're halfway there. Yeah, mm-hmm. we killed the, the one for... Um, Lakeland and Tanya. Yep. So yeah, um, both uh, Ishtola and Ranjit go flying down a pit. We get a gust of wind that pops up there, and we kind of know what that means. But well, uh, eventually. Well, as a pl- as a, as the person playing, we kind right. of knew what that meant. Um. But yeah, Yustola sacrificing herself to get that antidote to us. Uh, and But then, uh, in a one uh, uncharacteristic show of good faith, uh, Emmett self-rids again retrieves uh, Yustola from the live stream. Uh, Naked. God, his, his attitude throughout the entire thing, he's toying with us. Yeah. Fucker loves it. So instead of getting to see uh, Thanker naked, we almost got to see Ishtola naked. But he was even nice enough to give her clothes back. Which was extremely nice, because while the while the squirrel edit was 
hilarious. It it happened once. We don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. There weren't enough squirrels for this. No. <sighs> Uh, but so with Ranjit out of the way, she'll return to us. Uh, we do make further Katana Ravel, uh, to defeat Reptika's uh, Light Warden. And uh, that was quite the fight. Yeah. I kind of skipped over some bits. There was that encounter where we're seeing those various, uh, ancient murals, uh, see all stuff like that. Yeah, that was uh, all in I, the, uh, the trailer, so. Right. The whole bit oh, we're yes, talking oh, about uh, the eldest of primals. Oh no, the uh, the other one when oh. we use uh, when oh, we and the, use the, the, the knight's children or the 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 knight children one. Yeah, whatever that other group is called. Oh yeah. Uh, the knight's yeah. watch. <laughs> the knight watch. Yeah. Wrong like, show. Mm. Yeah, very different storyline. But <laughs> uh, some of. Some of the words and terminology, one of the issues with having fantasy as a trope genre is like, how many times can we put elves in the world without having to rewrite how elves are? Yeah, very true. Anyway, sorry, Sarah, continue. No worries, no worries. Uh, but so uh, we do make our way through the Ravel. Uh, see a number of uh, ancient murals and the like. This is, of course, is a uh, ancient kingdom uh, stuff, long, uh, lots of uh, ancient historical stuff in there. We do uh, fight and defeat the Light Warden at the end of it. And in the process, return of Knight Taraktika. And it's as we're heading uh, back out through the Ravel that we are stopped by Emmett Selk, who tells us a little bit more about the uh, nature of uh, what we're seeing in those meals, yeah, a lot of that This history. is the part I thought you were referencing. Yeah. Uh, no, I was thinking of another one, but that's something that com- ends up coming up a bit later. Uh, but talking about the whole idea of Zodi- that line we saw about Zodiac and Heidelin being this most ancient of primals uh, and gets explained in a little bit more detail. Uh uh, long ago, Zodiac was summoned by his people in order to prevent some great calamity uh, and uh, preserve the world. Uh, he describes that uh, world of before as this uh, beautiful land full of peace and prosperity where there was no war because like, everyone just understood each other so well. It was like this paradise. Uh, and so Zodiac was summoned in order to protect it from this great and terrible thing. But then there were people who were unsure about that, who didn't trust Zodiac, and so summoned Hydaelyn as something to keep him in uh, keep him in check. Hydaelyn's power was to weaken, to enervate, and so uh, Hydaelyn split uh, Zodiac into several fragments. Since Zodiac uh, had been made, what was the term? The will of the star made manifest, like kind of the awakening of their own planet. The splitting of Zodiac led to a splitting of these various worlds. And uh, with it, like, all of, uh, all of its people. So all the people that in it are kind of these, shat, like, just like kind of these they're lesser shades. partial existence. They're almost like shades of their former selves. Right. And so the Asians want to uh, carry out the rejoining, uh, partly to, because to bring back their god, uh, but also they want to bring back the true world, the one that is this uh, beautiful, glorious place, rather than these shards that are like this pale imitation. Uh, and that was 
compared to all the times where he's being glib, where he's uh, clearly having fun messing around with us, that was one where you could tell there was a lot of sadness, there was a lot of feeling that this was something that this is the thing that's been the driving force behind everything he's been doing for millennia. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that this was uh, something that really affected him. It was a little uncharacteristic and could, like, okay, this is something serious going on here. It was uh, quite an interesting uh, revelation, getting the context behind that uh, that bit in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely something in the trailer where it was like, hey, here's this moment of shock, here's this surprising thing, and getting it uh, expanded upon, putting it into context, where it's not just, oh, hey, uh, they're oh, hey, they're primals. They're just, like, but saying, like, this idea of this uh, awakening the star to prevent... Uh, some greater catastrophe, much like a lot of the beast tribes, they would call their uh, primals in order to prevent their being wiped out, to act as a protector, to act as something that could keep them safe. Seeing kind of the same idea on the scale of awakening the entire planet. Uh, We also do have Ishtola becoming more uh, concerned that our Aether is being corrupted by absorbing the Wardens, and that uh, we may succumb to their influence and become a Sin Eater ourselves. Uh, we are already at this point, I think, starting to see some type of effect. Right? There's that momentary like cracking sound, and we seem overcome by it for a moment. And there's this implication that's like, this isn't something we can keep going on with. This is something for which it's not as simple as, oh, hey, we're just negating the light. We're just collecting it in ourselves. And this may become something that's too much even for us to bear. But at the same time, we're not really sure what else we can do. It's, we can't really stop at this point. And because it's that's our nature and how we've responded to all problems up to this point is we don't know what the solution is, but we know what we can do right now and we'll deal with other problems as needed. We've ended up with having to deal with Istinian, having to deal with the eye, having to deal with the crystal braves, having to deal with everything else that's gone wrong. So this is one of those, is this the right thing? No. But what else do we do? Eh, keep gathering light, see what happens. Yeah. Just also, don't forget going. to spin your camera so you don't go AFK. Nope, already did, I think. I mean, so. that is the other thing. Uh, if we don't uh, do that, then the first is going to fall. That's going to cause this catastrophe that uh, consumes the source as well. So it's like, even though we are uh, barreling towards this other issue, if we we don't have a choice to do nothing. We don't have a choice to wait because we're already heading towards this one doom. We are not in a situation where we have the luxury of choice, unfortunately. All oh. right, so we've but yeah, and that's, up. Go ahead. That, uh, but so yeah, that uh, about concludes what's going on in Raktika. Uh, Ishtola does return to the Crystarium with us. Uh, we have another pleasant interlude with Ardbear, who is doing his best to comfort us as uh, we talk to him about the whole thing and kind of share with him this fear about what if we become a city. So it's a nice little moment of the warrior of light being a little bit vulnerable to uh, our bear, kind of like strengthening their relationship. It, I don't know. I just really love those interlude moments. I felt like that was something that really helped out with the pace. Every single time we went to the inn, like it was almost one of those talk to the innkeeper and you're getting a cutscene related to Arbert, which was almost entirely true. But it was a good opportunity for us to loop back, 
for him because Ardbert's been alive for so long that he's just this really chill. So we're kind of in a panicked state. And as a player, we're trying to solve what's going on. He's very calm and rational as he's explaining where we're at, what's happening. And when we ask a question that he doesn't know, he will laugh and say, I have no idea, but it's you. It'll work out somehow. Yeah. That's terrifying, but also extremely accurate. Yeah. All right. So then we wake up and uh, we learn that the Crystarium is under attack. Uh, an organized group of Sin Eaters, led by Vautry, um, they, they're attacking Lakeland and the Crystarium, and they're going to uh, try and just, you know, stop us from doing what we're doing. So we have to put up the uh, the barriers. We, we help to, uh, you know, enable the defenses, and then we go out and we start kicking some uh, Sin Eater ass, and... The scenes from this instance are chilling. I mean, we, we watch as uh, a lot of the different uh, fighters for the Crystarium are killed. And uh, we have to do our best to try and save as many as we can. But inevitably, there are people who are, who are dying in front of us, uh, you know, from the Sin Eater attacks as we are trying to save as many as possible. Even our friend Ardbert is trying so hard. He wants to try and do something. So he tries to uh, save a couple of people who are being attacked by a sin eater. And he brings his ethereal ax and goes right through one. And oh, the poor guy, like you could see the desperation. Yeah. Especially because it wasn't just a straight on attack. Some, one of them was rescuing another, mm-hmm. didn't see the sin eater coming up. And so he's like, you can see him just be like, turn around, look, see it. Yeah, and then like, when he tries to take to, to he he tries to will his axe into being to save them, but it goes right through the sin eater, and they are both uh, killed. It was a moment of helplessness for somebody that was once that powerful. Mm-hmm. It was really scary to kind of watch and go, "We're amazing, he's incredible," but literally nothing happens when we do this most heroic moment. Yeah, it was really. A, a, a poignant moment. Yeah. Um, Especially for someone who was once this great hero who had been the warrior of light of the first. Like they talked about how they had had this illustrious career. They had saved lots of people. They, this was like the kind of thing that was in his blood and just that moment of help. Yeah, I mean, we almost also lose um, the, uh, um, the the captain of their guard. Um, Lena. Lena, yes. I was going to say Lena, but that's, that's from five. And Lena's actually like afterwards just like cursing herself like she's got serious survivor's guilt there yeah i mean she was like well why couldn't i have been the one to take the damage or why couldn't i have try and save more and i mean how many times have you thought that when you're playing through the game is like why couldn't i get through more why didn't i save more yeah i mean just just a, a thought in passing you know, not- so a thought and pass the whole Minster switch. We talked about it last week. Yeah. Where two weeks ago, where you're watching NPCs, you're like, I don't know who these people are. Obviously, they're running. Oh shit! Now I have to kill these people as sin eaters, and it happens so fast. And now you do that times hundreds of people. You do that across an entire city. Where yeah, we lost some guards and some people that we wish we could have saved. People were losing siblings and parents and friends. And we had to stand there and go, 
I punched Ifrit in the face earlier today. How can I do nothing right now? It's pretty crazy. So at this point... Oh, uh, oh I just want to say there was one other that... Uh, a similar quest that comes to mind from a different game. Uh, for those who have played WoW recently, uh, in the lead-up to the most recent expansion, there was a quest involving uh, the burning of the World Tree Teldrassil. It was like a special event-only type thing where uh, you when you pick up the quest, it's being like, okay, this epic thing is happening, this fire started, it's like the crisis time, now's the time to be a hero. It sets up for all that. And then it pops up as like, hey, there's this, uh, like, okay, here are your objectives. Put out these fires. Save, the, uh, evacuate this number of people. And it's something like 700 people. And then it's like a little timer pops up. Two and a half minutes. And that's not enough to save everyone. That's not even enough to save like a tenth of them. Yeah. There's, you can't quit the quest. You can't re uh, repeat it. Pretty much you struggle your best on it knowing that most of the people here are going to die and there is nothing you can do about it. And having it as this thing where you you were presented the quest in a way where you've done so many like this. Here's the thing. You do, uh, run and do as many as you can, and then there'll be some type of heroic thing. And nope, when the time runs out, you pass out from smoke inhalation. You wake up elsewhere. The quest does not complete, or the quest does not get the completion thing. It is the only quest that you have no choice but to fail. And it's the same type of thing of like, you are going to do your best. And it's not going to be enough. You are going to lose a lot of people. Damn, Blizzard's dark, yo. Yeah. And it's good storytelling technique. Yeah. Like, having it all, us always be successful. Like, no, sometimes you need a punch. You need for it to hurt. Well, they had that I in ARR, that sort of though, thing. too. You know, that, 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 that quest where um, you go back to the Awaking Sands. Right. And... It's a little bit different in that you go back there and the damage has already been done. It like it definitely has that. Hey, I've uh, had this loss, but it doesn't have that feeling of help. Mm, fair enough. Like that's a, a thing that I think can be a really awesome way to communicate the strength of your opponent, uh, the uh, the inevitability of some stuff that you can do your best, and you're still going to have some stuff go wrong. Like, it needs to hurt a little bit to be a good story, uh, to, like, be really effective telling. That's how I feel about it, anyway. Perfection tells boring stories. Mm -hmm. we, need to see, we need to sell a struggle. And, you know, oh, cool, this guy did everything right and they were successful and everything lives happily ever after. No, I want to hear how everything goes wrong. I want to hear how they dicked up literally every step of the way and then turned it around and got it back together and were then successful. That is a more compelling narrative. And that's kind of what and we when, got with this. And when we are the primary driving force of that narrative as a player in video game narrative, we it's very different than visual narrative. Like watching a show, watching a movie, you know, seeing the antagonists and protagonists go against each other, seeing the protagonists falter, but then later succeed. That's what we want. We're the protagonist. We're the one that needs to fail. We need to feel that as a player sitting on our couch or in our chair and then six hours later go, no, I got all the Light Wardens. We are doing this. Their loss was not in vain. It was setting that up. And we didn't know they were setting it up. All we know right now is this sucks. And there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. So at this, it's at this point where the decision has been made 
for Minimenphilia, um, she wants to rejoin with the OG Menphilia. So we feel that we have to now go to where it was that Menphilia had initially stopped the wave of light, which is somewhere in Amarang. So we are going to take a return to that location and uh, try and get to the other side. But of course, we are still being followed by the, uh, the Yulmoran army. So we have to try and do it very quietly. They actually decide to split their forces. And uh, half of us are going to be going, you know, we'll be taking Minifilia to OG. And then the others will be kind of creating a disturbance to put the Yulmorans off our scent as we try and get across. So we are working our way across the upper part. Um, a mining settlement is where we actually end up going to. And uh, we we're tr- so as we're trying to get to this, these ruins areas that were inaccessible before. So, so we have to restart the ability to get over there, which the mining cart system was apparently the way we, they used to do it. Yep. But we have to basically rebuild a mining cart as a pretty long series of quests, and we get to explore the mines. We get to talk to everybody around yeah. as we're we trying to, to meet rebuild a, the whole area. We get to meet a genuine trolley sexual. That was uncomfortable and also hilarious. Yeah, dude likes his trolleys. I I guess I guess he does. Dude, dude likes his trolleys a little too much. A little bit. Uh, once we get that going, we do split our party, and Fancred is actually the one that really is kind of our leader in this little instance, as he's trying to be like, I want to protect Minfilia. We have this Minfilia, sort of, but he sees the threat from Yulmore as well and goes, okay, how are we doing this? And I, I appreciated Fancred growing in this moment. Did anybody I mean, else think that Thanker was actually being a, a complete dick at this point? I I didn't, but I know a lot of the history of him and uh, the sources Menphilia. The dude's been in a really conflicted place. Uh, I don't know how much you know of the original stuff, like especially the 1.0 Uldos. Oh, yeah. I mean, at that point, he basically had saved her life um, while her family had died all around them. Mm, I mean, but I he had uh, so he, uh, he ended up basically like raising her right. like a sister uh, almost for many years leading up to 2.0. Right. Okay. So hang on, let me pull the tab back up. All right. So we're now in Amareng after finally getting through that section and breaking free. But of course, because it's a new area, there's another light warden that we now have to find and over. And that in fact is the reason for, uh, uh, young Minfilia wanting to, uh, like, uh, rejoin with Minfilia is because she feels that we're going to need her powers in order to find that last light warden, that it's hidden itself. No one knows quite where it is that she sees this as the only option to actually find it at this point. All right. Before we go any further, we kind of glossed over the, uh, one of the biggest, uh, single player challenges that we had in Shadowbringers. Oh, I and think that, we're coming up to that point. I thought we were, 
Oh, so you, okay. So we're talking about she wants to join up with, right? That like that's the motivation for this entire okay. section. Yep. So yeah, we, we don't know where the last light okay. warden is, and so seeing like okay, this is the spot we need to head to to try to have Minfilia come back in this person, so we can actually find it. Because basically, at the point when we finally get the Talos rebuilt and the minecart running, it's shortly after that fact when Ranjit attacks us knocks the cart off the tr- off the trolley tracks and then we have to it's at that point that Thanakra tells us to go on while he holds Ranjit. Mhm. Uh god that role playing segment the sheer like feeling overwhelmed feeling like we're doing a sl- damaging him slowly so like we're yeah, totally outclassed here. I mean it was a long fight. Yeah, it was a super long fight. I was actually concerned that I was doing it wrong because it was taking just an ungodly amount of time. And the fact that, you know, um, Thancred does not have the ability to manipulate uh, Aether, but was able to utilize a few skills that basically, you know, rendered him invisible. Right. He's pretty much like kind of cutting off his own flow of Aether, yeah, among but- other things. Which he could control it a little bit on his own, but he couldn't put it outwards. He could only put it inwards. It was very strange, but super fun to watch. Yeah, but I mean, how and it's that... also something that does a ton of damage to him. Yeah, it, it really messed him up. I mean, because you know, there's those spots where after he, doing that, he was basically unable to move, and you're like, oh crap, he's just gonna own me now, isn't he? But well, blood armor. You know, basically at that point, you know. It's an extremely scripted fight, and unless you, I think, made major mistakes, it was meant to feel like you were about to fail, but you you come out at the last minute. Which but was you a, had to do it so many times that it was like, is this it? Like, at some I, level, we do have plot, plot armor, but we're going, is this it? Do we screw up here? Do we die? Do we have to do this again? I mean, I, I, mean, I don't like, yeah. know. I like. I felt outclassed the entire time. If it had been myself doing that, I'd have been like, "Well, I am clearly undergeared for this fight." But I know but that's because, not the case. Case because we're as fan creds, we go, "Well, where's the rest of my skill set? Where's the rest of my toolbox?" Yeah, and you only go, get oh, four shit. skills. He doesn't realize. Maybe six. I was okay with that insofar as like, let's say somebody is just notoriously bad at tanking, and they're having to do this fight. They're not going to understand how tank skills are balanced and how they work. So it might be a bit of a challenge. So truncating it down to only having a handful of skills to use in a very, very easy to follow loop is enough to give them the experience of and the helplessness, but also not completely making it impossible in the process. I believe that they had simplified it to where you had a, a couple of combos that you could run through. And then there were a couple didn't, of special skills that you would have to utilize every once in a while as well. Didn't they set it up as like the PvP style combo where just like yes. step A, step yep. B, step C, yep. we're yeah. all just in one. Keep smashing one, then keep smashing That's two. easy way to Which th- I appreciated that. Again, for people who are not as uh, versed on how to run through the, uh, the, the, the tank rotations. But then they added a couple of extra skills. Getting used to where and when to use those was initially a little tricky but you know i finally figured out what they did and uh it it, it, i thought that the way they designed the fight overall was well done because like i said 
we felt outclassed. We felt like we were, you know, bound for failure. We felt that we were right on the edge of, you know, not completing this and having to redo it. But like I said, a lot of people, like I said, it, it felt like you pull it out right at the end. Mm-hmm. It was well balanced. Our success was measured to the very, very, very last moment, which yeah. ended up making it that much more fun. Yeah, because you're, you're like, push button harder, make it go. Oh, yeah. I was definitely pushing the button harder to attack more. <laughs> and I, I, like, at the end, after all the thing, we cla- I was like, oh, my gosh, is he dead? I, I thought they killed him at that point. I don't believe that anybody is dead in this game, like, ever. I'm just over this. Papa Lima. I still don't buy it. I still don't buy it. Harshafont? I still have issues with that. <laughs> anyway, so trust 2.0, all of the people come back. <laughs> Please. Anywho. Um, all right. So anyway. we get through that bit and um, Minifilia ends up talking with Minfilia. They kind of have their little moment and. Oh, uh, one thing I want to mention here, because yeah. it actually was one of the questions that came up in the live letters or in the thing on that. Uh, there was one where, let me actually find it. Yeah, because I, 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 I had it in there initially, but I pulled it out. No, it might have been a different one. No, I think the one I had was for the last zone. Yeah, this was one where uh, there was a question that a lot of people weren't quite sure about why it was even in there. Here we are. When riding the trolley in Amarang, I was amazed that the tracks were going through the same hill heading towards Camp Rice and the Source. I'd like to hear more on other fields that connect the Source to the First. Oh, yeah, that As the Patch 5.x series has just begun, we won't elaborate on this for now. Uh, but what was observed about it being pointed out was, of course, like the landscape has been rearranged multiple times, but... People were estimating, based on the positioning of some of that, other things like that, that given that Amarang is kind of Thanalan, where uh, those were, that the meeting place uh, where uh, young Minifilia went to meet with Minifilia, all that, where the flood of light was stopped, was around the location of Vesper Bay, back on the source. And so there was some concern about, was this Minifilia... To asking us to pray return to the waking sands one last time. <sighs> I I hate did you not now. put all of those pieces together, and I kind of want to throw a chair through a window, right? <laughs> or or flip I'm, a table. Unsure if it was intentional, but pretty. Funny. I hope I it. It's probably intentional. That was totally oh Koji trolling us again. I mean, there is a fate called pray destroy the waking sands. <laughs> Is there? I need to do this fate right now. Beer. Uh, it's an Amarang. It has some like uh, sand monsters that have come to life, so you need to kill them. Oh my god. <laughs> Thou they pay know. us not my sub. They know. Anyway. Oh, good times. So it's it's if I'm if I'm remembering the timing of these things correctly, like I said, it's been a while now since I since I've gone through the storyline. Um, once. Minfilia and Minfilia meet up and, and have their little heart to heart. It's at that point that Minfilia is no longer Minfilia, right? Right. She her uh. hair changes from blonde to, to red. 
And, she doesn't have that glow in her eyes anymore. And the, and the glow goes away, correct. They're no longer bright, bright blue. They're still blue, but they're no longer like um, just like two um, sapphires. But, uh, and it's at that point where they decide that she's no longer really Menphilia anymore. So, uh, side note, since it wasn't mentioned, in the meeting between the two, uh, the source's Menphilia chooses to, like, rather than kind of absorb Minifilia uh, as she's done for so many generations. She chooses to give up her power, to give up her existence, feeling like, okay, this is finally the time for it. Yeah. And she said, like, this was something that she didn't really like doing before any of the other times. Like, the, the all these people who should have been able to lead their lives. Yeah, she and felt bad really... and all that, but I think she, she knew she had to wait for us. Right. So she... But she does seem genuinely happy uh, that... Uh, Minifilia can uh, take over that she doesn't have to like sacrifice yet another life to it. Yep. So at this point, she, uh, she gives Minifilia her powers and she kind of fades off. And at that point, like I said, then we get no, she's no longer Minifilia anymore. She then is now, does she choose her name or does Thancred choose her name? Uh, so they're trying to uh, figure it out, ask what her name was previously, and she admits that, like, she's been called in, like, her, uh, she was dubbed Minfilia so long ago, she can't even remember what her name was before. And it's uh, Thancred who suggests the name Reen, uh, which he mentions is a fey word meaning blessing. Is that the official pronunciation for it? Is Reen, not yeah. Ryan or Ryan. Reen? Reen. Yeah, okay. it was voice acted. Gotcha. I again Japanese uh, audio here too. Ah. Uh, so at this point, Reen um uh can side sense... note, Urianje is more than a little shocked that Thancred uh was actually listening to any of his lectures. That was a hilarious little bit there for those who paid attention to that. Cause since when does Thancred ever listen to anything Urianje says? <laughs> so at at that point, uh Reen can sense um, that there's a light warden nearby and she uh, discovers it's in this little area called um, uh, Malika's well. Is that how, or however that's pronounced Malika, Malika. Yeah. Um, The well, though this big deep pit that we have to go down into and yeah. It is one of the oh, camera spin, by the way. Uh, it was one of the most fun dungeons. Like the actual dungeon itself, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago. Eh, whatever. The bosses were freaking fun, and it is one of the most interesting places that you get to go fight through. The trust reactions on a lot of them are really great, especially the second one, the Talos with a number of extra water buckets. The bucket, the oh bucket Talos is super funny. And once you figure out how the trust team ups work, uh, it becomes a lot more interesting because their dialogue options shift if you have their partner in play. Again, I've only run through Holminster Switch with trusts. Yeah, give some uh, of the okay. others a try. You will be pleasantly surprised. I don't know if I'm ever going to level them all the way up because, oh my God, is it painful even now? I mean, I mean if they're you're better. I know it's, if you're, it's two, if one you're working on a job, anyways, it's not too bad. Like, I've been working on Black Mage with them and it's been just fine, honestly. 
the hardest thing is learning those again learning those team ups because if you have the wrong build you're gonna have a really hard time if you're playing as a tank your options change a lot if you aren't playing as a tank then you're pretty much set on having Ryan in your party as a DPS because she unlocks about half of Thancred's skill set. Without her, he doesn't do most of his skills. So you need those two, so your other DPS is just whoever you want at that point. Hmm. Because I've all, like I said, when I was running through it, I was leveling up Gunbreaker at the time. So I would always run with the twins and, uh, um, uh, and Ishtola. Yeah. That's one of the better options. The team ups are. Twins, um, Minifilia, and Fancred, uh, and then uh, Urianje and Ishtola. Gotcha. Also known as the the twins, the teacher student, and the two oldest Zion. Gotcha. Alrighty. So we get through that. We take out another. Light Warden, and we bring Knight to Amarang. I Yay, want to say something Amarang else happens, though, right? At that point? So we've hit a certain point where, as a hero, as a warrior of darkness, uh, we've absorbed three Light Wardens now. All, no, all Four. 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 No, there's one more. Uh, Lakeland, Ilmeg, Raktika, Amarang. Yeah, that's four. Oh, shit, you're right. So now we've hit a point where we have so much light in us that we can't actually contain it, and it's starting to cause us problems. So not being able to contain it means we might turn into a Sin Eater. It means we, we might become that Warden of Light, and knowing how powerful we are, and our teammates and friends knowing how powerful we are, what happens if we turn? Can they take us down? Are they strong enough to? They don't know. And at this point, probably not. So they don't have options other than hope to God we don't turn. Yeah. But then again, we're this we're all thinking, you know, seeing that, you know, maybe this is all part of somebody else's plan too. There's a a, a reason why Emmett Selk isn't really stopping us at this point he's kind of annoyed that we seem to be you know trying to mess up his plan but he, he must know something that we don't so we end up getting at this point we've kind of regrouped we've gotten all the light wardens we have all we have the band back together we have all of our team we end up regrouping back at Yulemore. And outside of Yulemore, there's the gate town. It's the shanty area with all the shacks of homelessness. Everybody seems to have kind of started acting a little bit weird because Vothri is now using his weird, creepy powers to try to control everybody in the area. We figured out what that, uh, that, molt, that meal is that they've been giving away, the sort of food ration that they've had. It turns out it's actually part Sin Eater. And with everybody eating it, now they have a certain amount of control over everybody that has meal running through their body at this point. Yep. The, the longer you've been living in the shantytown, the more you've been eating this, the more Vatri can control you. 
and yeah, it was kind of an end game for him. He was using it as a way to kind of keep people happy, so to speak, and wanting to try and serve the people of Yulemore. But we also have the problem where looking at it from a meta perspective, the longer you've dealt with a problem, the longer you've dealt with not having any money, not having any food, living in a shack, being homeless effectively, the longer you've done that, the more helpless your mind is to anxiety, depression, everything else. And when you're going through what is effectively mind control, the longer they've been eating meal, the better control he has, the longer they've been dealing with this state of fear, the more control he's going to have. That gets scary. And there's a lot of people in that shanty town. Yeah. And he ends up using them to try and stop us from getting in there. But we do end up basically pushing through without killing anybody. And we get entrance back to Yulemore. Um, we fight our way up through the base and we end up making our way up to Vothri's tower. And God, is he a pig? Holy crap. I, I mean, the he, first time he did his temper tantrum like this slam, I knew there was something going on, but I didn't know exactly what. And this was the moment that we start seeing exactly what was happening. Yeah, we, we see the boob face. We see, you know, him just eating mule, all, you know, just scarfing it down and eating the forks with it. And it's a, that this, was gross. He yeah. was eating flatware and like plates and just literally just eating everything you're like okay he's not human shock but what's going on here what is this guy and then he sprouts little wings gross 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 body horrors gross and he flies away uh, i just it's like a happy little what is the airspeed velocity of a european swallow <sighs> I don't think he was a swallow. He he, but he he sure swallowed everything else. He's a big ass coconut. He's nuts, all right. Anyway, so he flies off, and we try to follow him, but he ends up getting into an area where we cannot get there. The only way up is through a non-used elevator. Which kind of reminds me of the uh, the elevator on the wall in Game of Thrones. Going back well, to I that mean, reference, I <laughs> think you didn't mention the whole bit where, like, the rips Mount Golg out of the firmament and it's floating in midair now. Oh yeah, yeah. He he. he well, all of the meal he ate basically increased the amount of senator in his body, where he basically became mostly Sin Eater and, and, and developed these powers that allow him to do this. Well, uh... Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it seemed like happened. I mean, he had powers before, but, I mean, he didn't have that strong of powers. Or he would have been able to crush us while we were in Yulmore. Mm. You know what I mean? If he had cared about us, but yeah. Or maybe he just didn't want to crush his pretty city. So for everybody keeping track of Final Fantasy reference, older Final Fantasy references in 14, uh, Mount Gulg, later named Gurugu Volcano, is from the very first NES Final Fantasy. Wasn't it we also know. referenced in other Final Fantasies too? It showed up in a couple of places. It's near I'm Crescent sure it's Lake. It's the, 
Yeah, nine. It, it definitely did. Well, nine was disc three of nine was just Final Fantasy one. <laughs> Realistically, the shortened version. Uh, but Mount Gold uh, Grugu Volcano is the crystal fire or orb of fire in in the original version. Okay. Let's see. Mentioned in tactics. Yeah, it shows up a lot, but that's like the OG spot. All right. So it's at this point where we basically have to go and recruit everybody within Norvrant to try and help us at this point. Um, our friends, the, uh, um, God, what was their name again? The, the fat lady and the chais. Her, the chais. That's what it was. I was trying to think of some, it was some sort of tea. Wasn't it <laughs> sad? Yeah. That's how I remember them. But, um, we discover that the chais, uh, that, that, uh, Mr. Chai is actually, um, the, uh, heir to the, um, what do you call it? The, the Talos, um, stonemason company. That, that made all the Talos's for the mining area in Amarang. So he has a lot of um, mechanical skill and uh, he helps us to get the elevator running as well as comes up with a, pl- a plan to make a giant Talos to help us get up into Mo- Mount Golg. Though not before we have to play Weird Cat Dating Sim. <laughs> And, and or or just the, the whole bit where you're trying to just encourage him. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? He's looking at you. You're picking responses. You're trying to get the relationship values up high <laughs> enough. Except instead of a date, you're helping convincing him to build a giant robot. That oh, was basically yeah. It was basically just a Square Enix dating sim of trying to encourage the chai to build the robot. It was so strange, but it was a lot. Yeah, he was really insecure, wasn't he? Yeah. He kind of moved into the, like, now you live in the lap of luxury. You don't need to do any of this work anymore. And he got sort of addicted to it, and he really started enjoying it. Like, oh, I don't have to do anything. I just get to be a rich guy now. This is kind of cool. His and wife made all the choices, though. Even in yeah. more, his, his wife kind of wore the pants in that relationship. I mean, she even tells you, it's like, oh, hey, type who tends to get this kind of way. Encourage him in this. Like, she knows what's going on here. Yeah. Julia Chai is, like, my favorite NPC from this. I hated her until, like, this moment where you realize, like, oh, no, they're not just complete dicks. They're just stupid and trying to survive. But they are actually really good people at heart. I mean, I knew that the moment I was like, she liked Alphano's painting. She did. And when it, he was literally just like a complete novice, but that was a cute scene. And the fact Anyways. that the, the whole dress up bit at, that we talked about as well. But it's that, like I said, at that point, we get the entirety of Norvrant together to put this together. We we bring the the, the people from um, uh Raktika with their uh, stones we use those as little miniature um, hearts throughout the body of the Talos kind of cool that was kind of a neat little bit you know all the stones from the yeah. people who had passed are their their memory is going to be yeah. used to fuel the Talos the actual stone mining skills of the folks from Amarang yeah. uh, the dwarves mm-hmm. got to do one of the this is a trope that I fell in love with in storytelling, and it's so stupid, and I don't care. 
it's the you meet a lot of people in little short stories in bursts and then, and then you, come you get all together. closer to and everybody brings something and it's the thing you're not expecting or you didn't think about and people that ne- have never interacted before are now literally side by side doing something incredibly cool it has been so it was one of the my favorite scenes in this particular little chapter because i played the game over the course of a couple of days this was the day that i was like i am doing this quest line until it is done because yeah. this is so incredibly cool to watch yep i mean yeah. everybody was brought into it i, I want to say even the, the the fey folk were brought in um kalusia only- christarium amarang everybody comes in and does cool stuff it mm. was super fun to Oh, the Fae actually don't show up quite at this point. There is some concern about whether they will able be able to remain focused on the task. Yeah, but I mean, but they do they do make a, a, a um, an appearance. Oh, they show up later. Fae is still not super happy about you not calling on them. Yeah, which oh, that God, would, that's so good. that whole bit is hilarious. But, but how else could they ever truly deny their uh, lovely sapling? <laughs> So we work together with the entirety of the of the first, and we build this giant Talos. And also, side note, when he was asking, "Who are you, people?" Is there anyone who didn't pick the artist Alphano and his assistants? I totally picked that. That's what Nick Nar is saying in the chat. Yeah, that is the correct answer. If you can make Alphano uncomfortable, you make Alphano uncomfortable. It's also one of those, like, you just did this incredible thing. Who are you? And you just turn, just, well, no one of consequence, and then just walk off like a badass. Yeah, I think that's, that's what the I answer did, actually. you want to go for. Yeah. No, I like that one because then also Dewey is like, see, honey, I told you. <sighs> it was so fun. All right. So we make our way up there. Uh, the Mount Golg dungeon was actually pretty fun. It starts out with we're climbing up the the Talos's arm, um, fighting through Sin Eaters. Um, we eventually make it into Mount Golg. It gets very white, very bright, very blocky at first, but then turns into very uh, almost Roman-like architecture. A lot of pillars, a lot of stuff like that. And yeah, lots of uh, blinding white and gold. Valtry is not exactly the most tasteful person. No, he's pretty gaudy. Um, but this dungeon was set up to transition yes. and be like, you're starting at this thing's hand and literally walking up an entire robot into this floating yes. mountain in the sky. What did you guys think and of the, the giant? The cube... Sorry, go ahead. The cube, uh, like the little cubes, the thing, it had this really cool assimilation feel to it. Like you have this beautiful, almost heavenly type thing. So having uh, those elements of like all the uh, featureless white cubes, a little block powder type thing, it helped give it this feeling of wrongness, that this is something that's kind of forcing itself upon the world. Yep. So what did you guys think of the Rubik's Cube boss? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a neat mechanic. It took me a little bit to figure it out. But yeah, I, I thought it was a very interestingly done. Like I said, a, it's something that we hadn't seen before. Um, I'm trying to remember what the last boss on this one was. Was it all the... the it was the... The one that has... It makes copies of itself? The, yeah, it's been harrying us throughout the thing. And at the end, yeah, it makes copies of itself. Some of, of them 
one of them has a little halo things in that it's going to do some extra moves. Yep, and then it do, it kind of plays follow the leader. Simon says, "Ish." Yeah, they go, and you have to go around. Yep, that I thought that it was a pretty well done uh, fight. I ha- I had to tank it a couple of times as I was leveling up, so I got to enjoy it a little bit more because I did not pull wall to wall. I will not pull wall to wall. I don't trust my skills that much, but uh, sorry to the people who were running with me. If you wanted to go wall to wall, I made you go slow. Anyway, wall to wall is a strategy. It is not a requirement. That's only if you're confident enough in your, in your tanking ability and your healers skills. I prefer. I always ask first. Yeah. I I will pull wall to wall with a couple of healers that I know that I trust FC members and, and the like. Usually if we have a black mage or we have a bard or both, but if I'm in with three people on duty finder, absolutely not. I will ask first and make sure that's like, Hey guys, I'm going to go bat shit. Are you guys ready for this? I say, I will just stick with pulling a couple groups at a time and you'll deal with it. <laughs> and honest, that's how you level trusts, man. You go in, you pull a group, you step back, yep. Vancred takes it, and then you just stand there and let everybody else do the work. And you, but you, then you have to make sure you've got your, uh, um, your YouTube videos or whatever you're watching on Netflix or Amazon prime queued up so you can watch and not die. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause it takes a lot longer than half an hour at that point. If you're not doing any damage. Yep. It takes, cause they will make up the damage that you're not doing uh, up to a certain point. Um, but I have found that, you know, just getting in there and just spamming your AOE combo tends to help a lot. All right. Yeah. Cause they don't AOE. No, do not horrible. They play it very safe. All right. So we get through and we we beat the uh, the sin eaters and we get through that dungeon. We we are then brought upon the final confrontation with Vothri at the crown of the immaculate. Yes, great name that. And man, it's still an awkward fight. You know, it's fat man with tiny gross. wings flopping around a little bit and you just try to avoid his uh, stupid attacks. So I only, much body horror. Yeah, I only fought it the one time. I, what's nice, though, is once you finally get into the X version, you only have to fight the second half. Yeah, he just comes in in the second half, which, again, when he shows up is that that's what he thinks of himself as. Yeah. Is this chiseled, glistening, muscular angel and not the creepy boob face grossness. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not even necessarily about being the chisel, just as like the, oh, this shining purity type thing. Yeah, it's more about that. I did notice that the the temper tantrum uh, fist pounding thing that he does in most of his cutscenes, the actual second form does that as an attack, but it's not in giant Vothri form, and it still looks really uncomfortable and weird. Excellent. All right. So then we, we fight through and we, we take him down and we discover obviously that Vothri is the final sin eater or final, um, I mean, yeah. Uh, we had Lord no of, yeah. And we, we take in the light and crack. We see that beautiful starry sky again. And then crack, crack. We start to, uh, lose it. We know we were no... already pushing it like 
a whole light warden ago. And now all of a sudden we have one more and it's one that was that powerful to transform themselves, to take over that many sin eaters, to create that many sin eaters. Mm-hmm. Now what? How strong are we? Can we deal with this? We already didn't know those answers a whole light warden worth of power ago. And now we have a fifth one. Yeah, and it just... I mean, yeah, I think the answer is we kind of can't. Nope. And Definitely not. At this point, we're rejoined by the Crystal Exarch, who is like, Haha, this is part of my plan all along. I'm going to steal your light power and take it for my own. Trying to be some sort of big old evil villain type when we know he yeah. just... Yeah, we don't believe a word of it. No. It's like, yeah, 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 this is part of your plan. You want to try and take the uh, the Sin Eater's light and... He's gonna he he wants to take it into the crystal tower and get lost again and and take the power with him so it's never to be seen again. But uh, Emmett Selk isn't gonna have any of that and he basically shoots the crystal exarch in the back and is like, no, you're gonna be a monster. You're gonna be my beautiful monster and you are going to create havoc and you are going to make the finish the destruction of this world for me. And that was his end game all along. He wanted to see just how much we could take, and he knew that we were at our breaking point, and he wants to see us just go ape shit and, on this world. And he, well, he explicitly said if we had had power enough to uh, c- contain and control that, he would have considered working with us. But given that we can't measure up, he's going with his original plan. Yep. So, uh, we actually, I think, got to see an echo scene. I forget if it was that point. I th- if it was at that point or a little earlier, where we saw that M itself was responsible for making Voth. Yeah, actually, in fact, yeah, it it was that he was the one who put Vothri on the path that he was at, and uh, I don't remember if there was actually how exactly it all happened. Do you do you remember? Uh, so. There was uh, a scene showing with uh, Vothri's father, who had been the ruler of you. Uh, this was when the, uh, quite some time ago, still while the uh, skies were bright, uh, but he was being removed as mayor. Uh, he was very, uh, the father was very angry at the people. And then he had someone coming to him promising uh, to like ensure his legacy uh, by uh Make, uh, essentially making some changes uh, to the son in uh, his wife's womb. And so, like, he kind of made him, like, Emmett Selk arranged so that Vothri would be, like, kind of touched and tempered with the light. Part senator, actually. Right. And then, so then we... we so that he with... would be able to control the Sin Eaters, and it would be something that would kind of ensure his legacy. Yep. And I think at that we're gonna go ahead and hold it up at that point. We will re- we'll rejoin the storyline um, back at the Crystarium at this point. Yeah. Then, um, yeah. At which yep. point everything's kind of gone wrong. Uh, we're now barely containing uh, this surfeit of light. Uh, Emmett Selk has taken the Crystal Exarch. And it's just like, okay, like everything's gone wrong. We had thought we had it complete. And in a moment, it's gone to a complete reversal. Yep. So we're going to, we'll finish it up in two weeks. Um, t- 
talk about the next uh, bit of storyline and we'll go from there. So hopefully you guys are enjoying the storyline so far. So if you have not yet finished the game, I strongly recommend before you listening to the next episode to you know try and finish up and then we will uh, you can follow along with us as we finish the storyline here. Again, one of the best storylines that I've ever encountered. I don't think we've ever had to go through three episodes to explain a storyline before. Mm-mm. Definitely not. Not for a point oh patch. Like the point five patch is sure a lot of weird stuff happens. But I mean, not no, a point Stormblood. Oh. We didn't go. I think we we got through the majority of Stormblood in an episode. Yeah, it was like two and a half hour episode. But yeah, it Stormblood was a lot more chill than Shadowbringers. All right. So hopefully you guys are enjoying this, and uh, we'll, we'll like I said we'll continue this on the next episode. So. With that, I'm going to go ahead and say that's going to do it for this episode, guys. If you've been liking what you hear, um, please make sure to uh, like, subscribe, follow us out on um, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Um, we're also out on um, SoundCloud. No, not SoundCloud. What is it? There's too many of them out there. Are we on Libsyn? I think we're on Libsyn. Well, a lot of them actually pull from the the iTunes and the Apple Podcast feeds. Oh, that's true. They do. I think we're on Podbean. We're on Podbean. We are on um, Spotify. That's the one I was trying to think of. Ah, uh, yeah. We're on Spotify now, too. So if you listen to that, you can get us there. Uh, <laughs> thank you for writing that in there, Sarah. That was me. Oh, I that got was you. you. Okay. So I thought <laughs> Sarah's usually the, the one that's in pink. So, um, Or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, please leave us a rating or review. It does help people find our podcast and lets people know what you think, especially us. We love to know how you what you think about our show. Uh, if you really dig the show, please consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash Radio. If you have Amazon Prime, you also have Twitch Prime. You just link your Twitch sub or your, your Twitch account to your Amazon Prime account and you will get a free sub to use on your favorite streamer every month. So make sure you're utilizing that. Otherwise, you're it's $5 that you're not pulling out of Jeff Bezos' pocket and putting into your favorite streamers. Uh, or you can also go out to patreon.com slash Radio and support us there like our, our wonderful supporter, Aurori Fenrir. Um, any support we get uh, covers some of the fun stuff like uh, hosting costs or allows us to do some giveaways and things like that. So we would really appreciate all of that. But whatever you do, whatever type of support you give us, whether it's likes, retweets, subs, follows, or just telling a friend about us, we really appreciate it. So thank you very much. If you want to catch up on all the back episodes of Phoenix on Radio, consider going out to our website, phoenixonradio.com. If you have a question you want to ask us, email us, podcast at phoenixonradio.com. Or check us out on Twitter at phxdnradio. Uh, who, who wants to start with our shout-outs? I got some long ones, so Sarah, go ahead. All right, yeah, I don't have too many this week. Uh, shout out to uh, the Safe from the Crucible, who has been teaching me how to actually do a passable black rotation. Uh, I don't drop Astral Fire and Umbral Ice nearly as often anymore, so thank you for that. Uh, shout out to Alice Osman, uh, author and artist behind the uh, webcomic Heartstopper and a number of the uh, teen lit novels that I ended up reading. Uh, your stuff is really good, and I appreciate your wide cast of queer characters. So thank you for that. Uh, shout out to my hosts. You guys are wonderful. It's always nice to spend some time with you. And uh, I guess that's about it. Shout out to Eggs.
You were really nice soft-boiled earlier today. Eggs are awesome. And how can they and find where you? Where can we find you? Yes, right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FFXIV. S-E-Y-R-R, where I will occasionally post uh, stuff that I cooked or interesting things I found in the library or other things like that. It's not super active, but people seem to enjoy it for some reason. So there you go. Awesome. Tell us. All right. So first shout out is to Lancetti Lumiere, who is currently at work and couldn't be uh, in the audience tonight. Uh, it is her birthday. Uh, shout outs to Bannon Maelstrom, my co-tank from the FC. It is his birthday yesterday. And shout-outs to the completely random group of people on Tuesday I met. Uh, Yenshua Lightshield, Nico Yazawa, Yanvelis uh, Morristein, and Alaria Sky, who I ended up in a main scenario with. And nobody wanted to do Castrum. Everybody wanted to do Praetorium. So somebody dropped early so that no one else had to take the 30-minute hit. We lost both healers and two DPS. Renvalis says, hi, Talas. Love the podcast, man. Please mention this run on there. So <laughs> it will live in infamy. That happened. I also tweeted it out. You can find me on Twitter at Talas Marvelous, T-A-L-I-Z Marvelous. And it's most of my Twitter is shit posting about 14 anime or car related shenanigans. Join me. It's a good time. Now, if you can just get an anime car in 14. Oh, wait, we have one. Oh, wait, I have one. It's great. <laughs> and my sister cosplays as Cindy, so that makes it even better. Oh, my. You can find her at Kurohime13 on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> All right, everybody's going to go follow that one now. Have fun. All right. Well, I want to start by shouting out to my co-hosts, Talas and Sarah. I want to thank you again for putting up with all of this and uh, sitting here for 100 plus episodes as we uh, have been uh, continuing on this lovely journey, sharing our love of Final Fantasy with you guys. I want to do a shout out to Cygnus of Goblin, who emailed us on the website. I want to make sure to read this out real quick. Hi, all. Just wanted to congratulate you on 100 episodes. I've been listening since 2017. Yours is the only 14 podcasts I feel I can relate to and have a safe space to listen. I've had to drop other 14 podcasts due to insensitivity for gender identity. I can trust you to bring the respect, knowledge, and entertainment to create a great podcast. I'm so happy for your milestone, and I know you all put in a lot of effort into the show. Keep being awesome. I wish you all the success. Aww. That was an amazing comment I got back from them. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to write to us. I'm glad you appreciate the show. Um, and I mean, we do, that's what I think one of the hallmarks that we have is we try to be in, as inclusive as possible um, with everybody who plays the game. We want it to make sure that this game was created to be accessible to the masses. We want to make sure people can enjoy it to their best. So we try and do our best to include everybody in it when we want to share our love for it. So I'm glad that you got that you guys see that. And thank you so much for that. Um, aside from that, shout out to uh, my Crossworld link shells. Um, shout out to Yelta and Ulf for stopping by at uh, Up Down. Shout out to Nick Nar for coming and driving there, actually, I should say. Um, so I didn't have to. Um, shout out to... Um, not our Luna, but a different Luna uh, from the Crossworld Link shell who showed up. Um, nice guy named Tim. Um, had a great time meeting all of you out there. And uh, 
there's one other I'm, I apologize profusely I cannot remember your name I'm sure I'll hear about it later on when you hear this and be like it was me you mother blah, 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 blah. so anyway apologies that I can't recall your name right now but uh, it was a pleasure meeting you as well so for my co-hosts uh, oh and you can also find me at phxd and underscore klauss out on twitter see that's how much my brain is working today Anyway, it's been a long day. It, it has is too much brain to make words work. That too. So anyway, now for my co-hosts, Sarah Timono and for Talas, I am Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you again for joining us. Take care. Matane. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Town Radio is the copyright of Square Enix. Open the music for Phoenix Town Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Choke War theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by Guitar Wanker 90. Please check out the full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash Guitar Wanker 90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Town Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.